Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Happy 4th! It's so good to be with you all today on this July 4th. Uh, from sea to shining sea. It really is a beautiful place. And I just, on Friday, I went to the Pikes Peak Summit, and uh, there's a brand new visitor center. Has anybody been up there? It like just opened. I, I just happened to have a free morning, and I was like, okay, let's go check it out. And um, it's amazing, state of the art. I went up there with my mom and dad and family. Mom and dad are visiting from out of town. And, um, you know, the views are about the same. Um, but... <laughs> The visitor center is truly amazing, and they have this uh, catwalk that kind of goes around the perimeter that actually helps you take in the views um, even better. So it's, it, it is super, super fun to check out. It's right in our backyard. Just a reminder of the beauty of this place. And then about a week, a week ago, I returned from my very first camping trip to the sand dunes. Anybody been to the sand dunes? Sand dunes. Um, I'm still not sure why people choose to camp there, uh, because when you start to process what that means, sand dunes, like wind, heat, sand into your tent, and um, no, it was actually very beautiful, um, unlike anything I've ever seen actually in my whole life. I've never been on dunes before, and uh, it, was, it was very beautiful. Uh, you know, July 4th, though, I think what we're primarily talking about is our foundation as a nation, constitution, about saying, coming together and saying, you know, we really believe that the peoples of the world, and we will have control over our borders, uh, should be governed by free democratic uh, govern- government and that people should be uh, viewed equally under the, under the law, and people should have religious freedom, religious liberty. And, uh, and so here we are. We get to gather right here in this space and, and offer worship to the Lord. And so it's, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. I, I have a, a flag in my office that I keep on top of my bookshelf um, in memory primarily of my two grandfathers who fought in World War II, and I think that the reason they were um, willing to step up to that plate was for these foundational ideals, um, that it is worth protecting, it is worth fighting for an opportunity for people to gather together in liberty. And, um, and two, I keep that flag to remind me that God has put me in, in a time and a place. He's put me right here. He's put you right here uh, in America. And uh, that's, that's not to be taken lightly. Um, the Lord is strategic about uh, where his people are at. And, uh, and so... You know, I know that my primary allegiance is to the Lamb. My primary declaration is to the Lamb. We're in the book of Revelation, and last week we were in the first half of chapter 22. Uh, Pastor Katie walked us through that so nicely, and today we're actually in the same chapter, Revelation 22, uh, but we're in the last 10 verses. It's the last 10 verses of Revelation, which means it's also the last 10 verses of the Scripture, the Bible as a whole. And so let's pray, and then let's dive in to Revelation chapter 22. Father God, on this Independence Day, we remember that you strategically place each of your people in a time and a place as oaks of righteousness to declare your excellencies that more may believe in your name and there find true and lasting life. We thank you for blessing us with the opportunity to be your ambassadors in the United States of America. We beseech you that by your mercy, you would call more and more that the next great awakening may be 
even now. That the coming years in America would be recorded in history as a time of great harvest. For your namesake, Savior of the universe, our bright morning star. Amen. Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. Christ speaking. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you, this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And the people of God say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Our, our text says so clearly what uh, you and I must do from this text. Willfully, joyfully from our hearts, exude this declaration Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. On one hand, it seems like, oh, that's easy. That's easy, three words. And yet when we dig into it and we think about it, it's like, no. To be able to faithfully declare that day after day means that our hearts are turning. They are, are turned and they are turning by the grace of God, by the power of the Spirit to Jesus more and more every day. The word come is a word of invitation, but here it's a word of unlimited invitation, all who hear are welcome to come. Lord is a word of allegiance, but here it's not any word of allegiance. It is maximum allegiance. Come, Lord Jesus, is a de declaration that Jesus is who he said he was, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Total allegiance to the Lord Jesus, a name but here it's nuance, specificity. It's not come Lord, fill in the blank. It's come Lord Jesus, reign in my heart forevermore. Come Lord Jesus. Christ calls us throughout scripture to, uh, into a family. And families have um, household codes is one way uh, the scripture begins to talk about it. But it's a pattern for life. And I think that's one reason why in Romans chapter 12 it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so a part of this renewal is learning about the patterns of the kingdom of heaven. What is it to walk in a family that God is calling into 
his righteousness. And it's here where we find verses 14 and 15. It reads, Blessed are those who go through the gates into the city. Excuse me. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have their right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. We see this kind of uh, method throughout Scripture. It's, it's blessings and curses according to some kind of household code. And so Scripture is full of these ethical guidelines saying, you are created by a Father who is love and who is good and who is faithful, and that has a direction to follow. And so it begins with the blessing by saying, blessed are those who follow that way. Why? Because their robes are going to be washed. They're going to enter into the gates. And in Revelation, the gates are, that is the entrance into the holy city, the, the kingdom of God, heaven coming down to earth. Uh, but then it issues uh, a warning. And the warning is found in verse 15. It says, outside, that's not where we want to be, are, and it gives this list, who is the outside. So to quickly move through this, um, the magic arts, uh, if you got up early to practice the magic arts, uh, I must implore you to cease. Um, but in all seriousness, the magic arts, uh, it's a reality that the, the, the demonic is alive and well. Uh, we need to be aware of that. Uh, you can enter into practices of the occult. Uh, and so as the people of God, our ears need to be aware of that. We live in a, in a um, context in which uh, this first piece can be a bit suppressed, but it is real. And we need to be aware of it, and we need to flee it if we're in it. Uh, the second is the sexually immoral. It seems a little more culturally relevant to us. Uh, but the sexually immoral, uh, put it this way. Uh, again, family of God, God is leading us in a way of sexual holiness, the right way. So God has created you as a, uh, as a being, as an uh, engendered sexual being. And he says there is a way to walk in that faithfully where joy, kingdom joy, abounds more and more and more. And so if you're here visiting today and you wonder like, oh, that seems like kind of strong language, immoral, immorality, um, scripture talks about this. It says there's a right way to go, there's a wrong way to go. And we're implored again and again and again not to make decisions for us as uh, kings of our own hearts, uh, but to allow King Jesus to lead us, uh, knowing that he is wise and good and loving and faithful. And then we get to the murderers, uh, but I want to, I, it's so easy to gloss over that. Check, haven't killed anybody. But here's the thing. Uh, we need to be very careful about, actually, that it's, it's pretty easy to get into a slope, okay? Um, increased funding for Planned Parenthood movement. Um, one of our local partners uh, is actively in the business of bringing moms and dads together, providing free ultrasounds, life network, and saying when there is a heartbeat, there is a life. That's what scripture leads us as a church family to believe. It's what we've believed for almost 150 years now. It's what we're gonna keep on believing. And so we're gonna advocate for that and we're going to encourage, we're gonna come around people and we're gonna say, we can stand with you. We can walk with you. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, laws being passed year after year. It's a very slippery slope, um, overly gracious term, medical aid in dying. But scripture says, no, no, no. Every heartbeat, every breath is sacred from the very hand of God. 
And we need to protect that and we need to walk with that and nurture that and say that God has given every single one of our moments to lean in, to listen, the good moments, but also the uncomfortable moments. The idolaters is a bit of a catch-all phrase. Idolatry is when you say, hey God, would you mind stepping aside? I would really like to, to take the wheel from here. It's playing God, and we do it without recognizing it often. So idolatry is saying, God, step aside. And instead we're called, no, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna come up under the way of the Lord. Everyone who loves and practices falsehood, uh, another way to say that is those who hate the truth. And Jesus stands before us and he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Again, he's our good shepherd. And what I've learned through my walk with him is that he can be trusted, that he is loving, he is everything who he says he is. And our default posture is to actually follow the patterns of the world. And that's why it's here in our scripture to say, watch out, watch out for that. Uh, in fact, I think that's why we're also given the warnings in verses 18 and 19, which are quite strong and actually pretty unique across the scriptures. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. Ooh, Okay, I want to be careful. But, you know, if you think about it, though, why is it that we are so tempted? Hey, God, I will receive like 90, maybe 95% of what you just told me. However, this thing over here really needs to stay. I really like this piece over here. And when we say, come, Lord Jesus, we're saying, Lord, the totality of who I am, the totality of my life, I put it under you. I don't change or alter your your direction for my life. We don't revise. So we're in the book of Revelation, and what Michael Gorman reminds us is that Revelation is not about the Antichrist, but about the living Christ. And Revelation is not so much about a rapture out of this world as it is about faithful discipleship in this world. Faithful discipleship. So we, we have two big temptations when we read Revelation. Uh, one is escapism. Uh, we read through Revelation, we say, you know what, this looks kind of bad. Let's go over here. Let's forget the city to which God has called us. Let's go worship the Lord in faithfulness over here. And the problem is we are called to be life and light for the city. Escapism says we're just gonna go do our thing over here. Uh, the other temptation on the opposite side is assimilation. Hey, we're in the city. God has called us here. It's really, it's really loud. And, you know, if you can't take the noise, join the party. Escapism, assimilation. Yet we are called right in the middle, faithful witness. To who? To the worthy lamb. That's really what the book of Revelation is all about. And it's what our text is about today, is being faithful witnesses to the worthy lamb. So we're concluding our series today on future Jesus. You know, the particularities of each of our futures, the particularities of your afternoon, for that matter, are unknown to you, to me. We don't know what the future holds, but we know that King Jesus is there, calling to us, beckoning us home. Going back to the top of our text, verse 12, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. 
I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus says he is coming soon. This is Jesus speaking for the first of three times in our text. Direct communication from King Jesus. And he's saying, I'm coming back. And that declaration is anchored in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're gonna be talking today about Christian hope. Christian hope is such a different thing than any other kind of hope as we use the word. Future Jesus reaches into our hearts today. He lays claim on our total allegiance, and then he calls us to follow him and to witness to the beauty of the kingdom of God. Uh, Tim Keller, I think what happened is Tim Keller got together with our Tim McConnell, and um, they knew that Tim McConnell here was gonna be writing a series on future Jesus. So Tim Keller said, okay, I'll write a book about that. He just came out with this brand new book. It's called Hope in Times of Fear, and he writes this. They had to have talked to each other. The resurrection means not merely that Christians have a hope for the future, but that they have a hope that comes from the future. The Bible's startling message is that when Jesus rose, he brought the future kingdom of God into the present. In the resurrection, we have the presence of the future. And then in verse 13, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus says, I am utterly unique among all peoples of the earth. I was here when the world began. I'm here now. I'm here forevermore. The favorite way it's put is, is the opening to the gospel of John. In the beginning was the word, Christ, Jesus. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus speaks for the second time in our text in verse 16. In verse 16, Jesus says, I have sent my angel to you, this testimony for the churches. He says, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. So look at what Jesus did from what he's been talking about so far. He's declared that he is the alpha and the omega the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And now he adds, I am the root and the offspring. Four different ways of saying, I was and I will be. When Jesus gets this repetitious with us, we can lean in. Say, Jesus, you've said that. What do you want us to do with it? Jesus wants us to internalize it and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the king of the universe the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And he says, I am the root and the offspring of King David. I I was there before King David and I am after King David. I, I was before my people, I undergird my people and I am calling my people into the future. Future Jesus. He sums it up with this phrase, the bright morning star. I got up this morning quite early, and even when you get up early in the summertime, you're like, man, I got up early, and it's already light, right? And so it's already light, um, but not too much, and, and I see a couple of stars. And what the bright morning star means is eventually, every morning gets to this moment, clouds aside, 
when there is one star left in the sky. Generally, that's the planet Venus, star. It's the last shiny object in the sky. And what we know from the bright morning star is what? The sun is about to appear. So you see, we're not living in this darkened landscape with no light at all. What happened when Jesus came and when Jesus lived and when Jesus died and when Jesus rose again is he inaugurated the kingdom of God breaking in in its fullness. In other words, the dawn, the dawning light began to shine. The sun hasn't appeared in its fullness. Christ hasn't come back yet. He says he's coming back soon. Right now, he stands as our bright morning star. So when we talk about Christian hope and we talk about the bright morning star, what we're not talking about is this. Uh Uh-oh, dark clouds. I hope we don't get rained on. That is not Christian hope. And many of us are tempted, have been tempted. Maybe you are recognizing that you have not been pressing into and living out of true Christian hope. Christian hope is not a shot in the dark, man, I hope I don't get rained on. Christian hope is anchored in the historical reality that Jesus rose from the dead. Christian hope is anchored in a dawning light. Nobody questions if the sun is about to appear when they see the dawning light. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, I visited the sand dunes. And at the sand dunes is nearby the sand dunes, not in the sand dunes. That would be weird. Near the sand dunes is a waterfall called Zapata Falls. Has anybody, has anybody heard of this, seen this? Yeah. So I didn't know it was there, but was there for a couple nights. We had seen the sand. We're like, hey, let's go cool off at the waterfall. That sounds nice. And so we drive over there, and I was a bit surprised because I, I had done no research on this. It is not your normal waterfall hike. And I want to share with you this illustration of an approaching waterfall because I think it helps us understand Christian hope really well, actually. And so this waterfall ends. uh, There's no trail. There's no trail. And so I tell my three-year-old son, I say, we are going to go see a waterfall. He lights up. He hikes his little legs a half a mile uphill. That's great. That means I'm not carrying him. And then we get to where the trail ends. There's no waterfall. And I said, I thought this was a waterfall hike. Now, we heard the waterfall. We knew it was there, but there there was no waterfall in sight. We could hear it. We could even feel a little bit of the mist, but we couldn't see it. And so the the way the uh, topography is here, you actually have to get into the creek, and by creek, read dangerous mountain rushing cold water that can kill you if you're not careful. And you have to make your way up the creek, slippery rocks, walls, until you turn that final corner, and then that's where you saw um, that final picture there of the waterfall. Um, But it really is a stunning parallel with uh, Christian hope Uh, because you're you're not guessing in the dark, really. So the first thing that happens is you get to the parking lot and there's a sign. There's a sign that says waterfall this way. Okay, it's pretty good confidence that I should move in that direction. Friends, the scriptures, do we have a sign? These are a thousand arrows written across the generations. There is greater intertextuality in this one document than in any other document in human history. This is a pretty good sign. This way, this way. The next thing that happened on the hike is that my wife stopped us and she said, 
um, she said, hey, um, do you hear that? I said, hear what? Stopped walking, tried to stop breathing so hard. I can hear the waterfall. It's another sign. When we gather in this place week after week, we begin to hear the coming of King Jesus. I want to share with you a testimony, a, a sister in our congregation. Um, when we first reopened, it was pretty striking to me that some of the first people that were beginning to return was actually our oldest generation. And there was this, uh, there was this sister in her 90s, and I got talking with her, and she said, how could I not be here? This is where I come to hear King Jesus coming. King Jesus like an approaching waterfall. And I'm gonna share this part with you. At first I was like, that's a little morbid, but not. She said, how many Sundays do I have left? I'm in my 90s. And then I started thinking, I was like, that's not despair on her eyes, on her lips. That's joy. That's hope. That is a woman who is faithfully looking at her Messiah and saying, I hear an approaching waterfall. I see the bright morning star and I cannot wait to see the sun in its fullness. The noise of the waterfall is so akin to the bright morning star. Christian hope does not disappoint. Christian hope is anchored in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Will you believe him who stands at the door of your heart and knocks? Him who has demonstrated his love for you by dying for you on the cross. Him who was prophesied throughout the ages and him who has said, I am coming soon. A declaration that is backed by his very resurrection. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. I hope that if you haven't had the time to think about that enough, that you walk out of this place saying, you know what? There is something about Christian hope that I didn't realize before I came in this morning. It is strong. It is as if I already see the dawn breaking and I will soon see the sun, the assurance. I don't know what the particularities of your life are. I do know that each of us has great cause to doubt. We, we look at the headlines, we look at um, pains in our life. But I stand here and I declare to you that you and I have a greater cause to hope, to see the bright morning star, to know that Jesus has raised from the dead and has said, I am coming to you soon. It changes the way we live our life. Uh, imagine your life fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. How do you know you're living out your days pressing in to Christian hope? Uh, are you filled with wonder and with joy? Do your neighbors look at you and they know that there's something about you that's giving you a little extra step, that's giving you a little bit more bright eyes, that's giving you a little more strength to press in when everybody else would say, I think it's time to relax. That's giving you this undergirding of peace and strength and comfort and joy. We are ambassadors of heaven in this land. Ambassadors of heaven, we do not despair about news headlines. Ambassadors of heaven do not despair about another nation's ups and downs. 
ambassadors of heaven know too well of the excellencies of their true nation, their true home, a nation that they will soon return to in full. Ambassadors of the kingdom of God know the bright morning star. Allow me to close with this word from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You, you're a chosen people of royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Instead, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are our bright morning star, our hope. In you, we know the dawn will turn today in just a moment's time. On this Independence Day, we thank you for strategically placing us in this time and in this place as your chosen people. Though we be foreigners and exiles, empower us by your spirit to declare your praises all the days of our lives until you come again. We know you are coming soon. You are our bright morning star. And so we join together with one heart's cry. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.